Greetings, this is The Pub, Australia Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Sarah Willis. I'm John Barajas. And I'm Molly Krasl. Today on the show, ludonarrative dissonance in games. I had to Google that. Say that four times fast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny, actually, so like from a linguistic point of view, right, Ludo is like just play and narrative is narrative so it it is the narrative or it's the dissonance between play and story oh wait this isn't loot oh narrative dissonance this isn't like (laughs) borderline i I gotta go i researched the wrong (laughs) shit like i'm i'm out like i gotta i gotta go guys i'm sorry sorry no right out the bat i'm envisioning john dressed like the guy from that safety dance video with the with the loot the safety dance video. I'm. This is. Uh, we'll have to throw this in the show notes, but I'm gonna have to Google that later. I was picturing him more as handsome Jack. Doesn't that seem like me though? Like really, truly at its at at my core. A little bit, actually. Now yeah. that it's left my mouth, I'm kind of scared of the knowledge now. <laughs> he does have the hair. It's not the same style, but it's as unflinching hair as handsome Jack. That's I think. true. Does it move? It looks like it's painted on there. <laughs> Don't worry, Dean. I'll join you soon. <laughs> <laughs> I have no hair. Show notes for the audience. Dean is bald. <laughs> Dean is bald. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll give the origin, then we'll talk about what it is. It came from a blog post that was a review of Bioshock on the Click Nothing blog. The person doing the review noticed a dissonance between the gameplay, what the game wants you to do, and the story. So you you are supposed to be saving Ajax and his family. You're supposed to be on this altruistic uh, mission. You know, you're told that you're, you should be doing the right thing. At the same time, the game rewards you in ways that you are at least told. There have been people who've done little studies about how much Adam you actually get from killing little sisters, but you're told that you'll get a larger amount of Adam if you kill the little sisters as you see them than if you save them. And so the story or the mechanics are actually in dissonance, in conflict with what you're being told by the story. And this is supposed to be a bad thing. <laughs> killing little girls, bad thing, yeah, noted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've since learned that killing little girls is totally fine. Absolutely. We're all about the high score. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on our true crime podcast. <laughs> so what do we think? What are our general reactions to this idea? Where have we seen it? Uh, is it just a bunch of hogwash? What is it? So I had to look up what this was when we proposed this idea for the podcast episode. And in looking it up, I wanted to be wowed and I felt like it was obvious. Am I like, am I missing something? Can I, can I add on to that? I felt like we were creating a fuss for the sake of creating a fuss. I feel like that's just a facet of the having a narrative in a game. In order for gameplay to exist, to a certain degree, it's never going to go one-on-one with the story. I just don't feel like it could. Well, they're developed by separate departments, too. Yeah. 
I just feel like there's so much more to a game than just and, you know, obviously the narrative is super and super important, right? Like, I think there is a lot of great things we can take away from the narrative. There's a lot of cool storytelling features that you don't get in any other media in gaming. But the complex part of gaming is that that's not the only part of it, right? Like there is a gameplay mechanic of it. There Mm -hmm. is a artistic style behind it. There are so many other things that go into gaming that getting so hung up and focused on where all of these other components don't necessarily align with the narrative. I I think that's kind of just the nature of the beast, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of good conversation in you know, are there moments when this really works at a disadvantage and really works as an advantage? I think that's out there. But there was a couple of articles that I read that I found highlighted, I guess, both ends of the spectrum. So you think about Grand Theft Auto as a game, right, where there is a storyline that you're trying to follow. But I'll be honest, if anybody's ever played Grand Theft Auto, like the fun part of that is like just kind of causing mayhem mm-hmm. in the open world. Without regard for the story, without regard for really anything at all, if we're if we're being honest here. But does GTA's mayhem get in the way of its story or is it is it a story about mayhem? So I think I think you guys are right that it is just something that is endemic to the mixed media nature of video games to begin with. But I think then the question becomes how much ludonarrative dissonance is tolerable. Sure. Because there's always going to be, you know, have you ever walked up to a wall that you're like, well, I could definitely jump over that. And you jump command and it's like, no, you can't. That's too that's too tall for you. You need to use the (laughs) gate like, okay. or here is a wooden door with a hole in it through the window, but it's locked so you can't get in. Like, no, I could just reach my arm through that door and it would be pretty unsafe. I should probably knock the glass out first. But like, no, no, that door is locked. You need Mm -hmm. a key. Mm -hmm. So like that's that's the kind of stuff I think that is very like, you know, lull worthy. Um, that we see a lot of and just pass over as in, yeah, okay, that's part of a video game. But then there are perhaps other examples where that becomes immersion breaking. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. It's in writing in general, right? Uh, Anytime that you have a point of view shift that's accidental or happens in the middle of a paragraph doesn't really serve a purpose um, and is an obvious break in the storytelling, what will happen is uh, even writers or readers that are less astute will notice something is off. Like they'll, they'll kind of awake a little bit uh, from the, the fiction, the dream that is fiction, right? They'll be kind of, it'll, they'll be jarred a little bit. And I would say the same is true of games, right? And in that we were talking last time we had a video game podcast about silent protagonists and whether they were sort of poor storytelling. Well, I think in some instances, uh, one of the gripes with ludonarrative dissonance at the level that Molly is talking about is that it's it's really bad storytelling and, and bad in that it's making me realize that I am playing a game when I shouldn't be realizing that I'm playing a game. Lots of games want you to realize, hey, you're just playing a game and comment on that and parody it and all that other stuff. But when we have a developer 
or a storyteller that wants us immersed in the story, we want to have ludonarrative consonants in those incidents, ways in which we are fused with the story are, are, you know, in the dream. Do you have a, like, I guess a good example, Dean, of maybe where it really shined and where it really detracted from the experience? I would say a good example is the first one, Bioshock, right? Where, in fact, the, the object of the narrative, your quest, the, game, the gameplay mechanic is, uh, is breaking with the goal, right? And so in that instance, it's hurting the story, right? I think it works well when in later games when developers are conscious of it and, and it is used. So a good example would be Spec Ops The Line, right? There, are, there is a certain scene in which you cannot advance the story unless you use uh, weaponry that kills citizens, Right, and it and it it makes you pause. You can try and sneak your way through, but you will get sniped or run out of ammo. The game has basically set that there's going to be that dissonance between the storytelling, between reaching your objective and keeping these citizens alive. Right, it's not a surprise. You're going to consciously do it. I would also argue that Last of Us uh, does this in a really interesting way and, and maybe effective way. I think it's the biggest gripe that people had about last of us true too, that Joel is on this really altruistic mission to save Ellie and Ellie in part two is on this really altruistic mission in that she's pissed off at Joel in the first iteration of the game because he did not let her die. But game two is just going to be a bloodbath of revenge, right? And so in some ways, it's working against what we see as the primary, the center of that character. But I think in that game, part of what it's doing is it's showing that people are more complex than simply, I am an angel or I am altruistic and I have this mission. You know, I can also... Um, want to lay waste to my enemies because of what have they because of what they've done to people I love and so on and so forth. I think those are both really really cool examples. And honestly, as I as I think a little bit more on it, what I realize is with Ludo narrative dissonance, there are moments where it really does accent the story, right? And I think there are moments where where the dissonance ass- accents the story, or the I was going to say assonance consonants. <laughs> <laughs> she said ass. <laughs> Assonance is a poetry thing. You know this. <laughs> but I think there is an emotional component that we don't really think about sometimes, right? When you are playing a game. I have lots of emotions playing games. <laughs> same. I just have lots of emotions in general. <laughs> but with Lunar Dissonance, when you are forced into a narrative, despite the gameplay mechanics or despite like player choice, like in your mind, you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. Right. There is a certain emotional impact that you get with games where you don't have a damn choice. You don't get to skip this cutscene. You don't get to find an alternate route. You have to play through and experience this pain, this event, this decision even though you weren't the one making it. And I think in those moments, Lunar Distance is present 
And it, it, you know, some might argue that it detracts from, you know, player choice or, you know, how the narrative progresses. But in my mind, holy shit, right? Like only in gaming could you enter an atmosphere where you don't want to do this. You Mm -hmm. don't want to see this. You don't want to experience this. You would want a different choice to happen. But the story is going to happen no matter what. And the story is going to progress that direction no matter what. An example, you know, spoiler alert for Final Fantasy VII uh, Crisis Core. One of the coolest components about that game was actually the very final level where you are playing as the character. And in the, the arc and timeline of Final Fantasy VII, the main character that is present in Crisis Core dies before the events of Final Fantasy VII. So you know he has to die. And the final level is you fighting a unwinnable battle. And no matter how much, how skilled you are, how much you've leveled, how well you handle and prepare for this final mission, there is no way that you can actually win it. There is no way, even if you fight for hours and hours and hours and play through this, that the end result of the storyline is going to be any different. And for me as a player, there is an emotional impact with that, right? We're knowing no matter what I do, no matter how skilled I am, how great I am, how prepared I am for this moment, that the end is going to be tragedy. I don't think you get that in any other media because of this, because of the concept of ludonarrative dissonance, you don't get to experience that level of, you know, that type of emotion in any other medium. And, you know, and you could take, you know, let's use Star Wars as an example, right? Like you have the main trilogy and, you know, from the prequel trilogy going into the main trilogy that some stuff has to happen, right? Some people have to die. Anakin is going to become Darth Vader and you're watching and experiencing it and blah, blah, blah. But in a game, you know what the events of another game are going to be. If it's a prequel leading into, you know, a sequel, sequel later on. And you could be the best player in the world, but it doesn't make a lick of difference in the narrative. Oh, because you're saying this media is requiring your active participation instead of Mm -hmm. your passive viewership. Right. It's I'm not just watching something and hoping Mm -hmm. something different is happening. It's I am trying as hard as humanly possible to not let my character die. But I know from a narrative perspective, they have to die. And again, I don't know if that's good storytelling, bad storytelling. But from an emotional aspect, that is something no other media can provide. And I think that's really fucking cool. Like I like that is the coolest thing that gaming can provide is ludonarrative dissonance. <laughs> the coolest thing is the overwhelming feeling of despair that I get. I well, well right. <laughs> like you know there's nothing you can do to stop this. It's not you're an observer. You're like calm down, Monokuma. You <laughs> could stop playing. Wait, are we yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despair Makoto is still gonna die. Komaeda is still gonna die. Like you can't do anything about that. He's fine. To challenge this then. What about like when they talk about Ludo narrative dissonance as just not jiving with the story? Like one of the examples they brought up was um, with Mass Effect. 
you know, they say you're able to take such control over your character towards uh, with the Paragon and Renegade decision making that you can decide how who your Shepard's going to be, whether he's going to be a true hero or a real anti-hero. And then they talk about how that choice feels hollow because you could make all the most evil, awful choices and everyone still regards you as hero Shepard. And that doesn't, from a storytelling aspect, make any sense. Yeah, I... There, there are, as Molly said, I think there are kind of different levels. I don't know that necessarily knowing what's going to happen in the story and not being able to change that is a dissonance on the level that it hurts the game, you know, because it's not necessarily that the, the gameplay interaction is in conflict with the story. You just know that that character has to die, right? Right. I think that there are some issues in what uh, Sarah's talking about with regard to uh, the way the game treats you as a player or your character that doesn't line up with your actions, right? You're still considered heroic, right? I think that's a more major error and it takes me out of the game in ways that I don't think are good storytelling or that I want to be taken out of the game. And there are ways in which I will, you know, just keep playing and see it as a function of a game. For example, I'm playing right now, I'm playing Ghosts of Tsushima. There are points in that game where you are, I don't know, doing an escort quest or you're trying to reach an objective really quickly and the person you're with is saying, come on, we got to get there. But I'm looting, of course, right? Mm -hmm. All along the way and stopping and checking every tent and doing, right? That's ludonarrative dissonance. Because the game is encouraging me to meet the narrative objective to do one thing. And at the same time, or the story is encouraging me on, sorry. At the same time, the mechanic of it, get loot to level up my character. The mechanics are telling me, stay behind and loot this stuff. Every time I think about it, but I don't want to stop playing or feel bad about that because it's less of a error somehow maybe well that's like the joke of breath of the wild where like zelda is like you have to hurry the world's about to end and then you just like <laughs> piss off and like do a cooking <laughs> quest for like 17 yeah. days you know? i am climbing the wall now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i want to ask a question and to before i let you continue of do you think then the contrary is better does consonance rather than dissonance create a better experience I don't know. Is there a good way to allow a player to loot or prepare for the final battle? That isn't the same exact thing that you see a million times before you can go prepare and I'll be waiting over here for you to (laughs) defeat the final boss. Right. I mean, (laughs) that's really bad storytelling too. The world is ending, but I'll sit over here. Is it a crutch or is it simply a limitation? I feel there are some moments where looter narrative consonance is cool. But other moments where it's a pain. So there, there's an article I have in the show notes that talks about Skyrim or, you know, any Elder Scrolls game, right? Where you, you know, you go in and you sneak around and you have to steal things because if you get caught stealing something, a guard will come in. The guard will come in. Halt, you have committed crimes against Skyrim and her peoples. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think about the opposite side of this and, and where Ludo narrative consonants almost makes me lose immersion more or get frustrated. So if you ever played a game where you are in like a snow field or you're injured and you're just moving so 
damn Oh my soul. god, Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes! <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition, Metal Gear Solid 4, when you're crawling through things like... I love like, that game so much, but oh my god. Yeah. But it's it takes me out of the game because I'm like, oh my god, alright, just let me get to the next cutscene because I am just moving so damn slow. And I think, again, it really at the core of it, right? Like our conversation is, well, I get, I, it depends on how it's used in the medium. But I don't think either section, either consonance or dissonance, inherently makes the game better or worse. I don't know. I think I think this is a question of realism. Yes. So this is what it kind of reminded me of. Like, anytime I watch or read or consume any sort of, like, fantasy or sci-fi media where we're using, like, magic or, like, crazy science, you're, the author or the creator is going to invent their own rules. And their rules can be as crazy as they want as long as they don't break their own rules. And I feel like that's what, like, ludonarrative dissonance reminds me of, is, like, there are certain things within video games that I feel like, even though they don't jive with storytelling... Like, if I'm Link, I can throw a pot at, like, my neighbor's head and he doesn't say anything. Like, that's fine. That's part of a game. That's not going to break my immersion. And then there's, like, other things like the Mass Effect, you know, total oversight of you being evil that are, like, not... That's breaking its own rules. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess then, if there's narrative dissonance in moments where there's supposed to be a clear narrative or driving a narrative, that's where it's bad. But if there's narrative dissonance in things that don't impact the narrative but impact gameplay that's fine but is is it ludo narrative dissonance or is it a video game versus real physics i mean that's the question right and the, another thing we've been kind of dancing around but kind of mentioning is the fact that the core of games is agency right yeah the idea that john was talking about this that we we can actually put on some one else's or some fictional agency and we can take ours off like clothing and experience the experiences of someone else the moral choices without the kinds of repercussions that we would face outside of a play space is the true experience agency though is the true like video game experience agency i think you know 20 30 years ago when the idea of gaming was a more visual experience of things like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Or like these role-playing games where, you know, we can step into it. But in the year 2021, can you truly tell me that the experience of gaming is agency, though? Because I don't know if it is anymore. When it comes to games that involve story, I would argue that it, it has to be or it dies because otherwise it becomes film and tries to do the same thing that film does and it fails at that miserably. We, I mean, every, every gamer complains about too many quick time events, too much, too many cutscenes, that kind of stuff. What they want is to play the game and to experience the stuff with regard to the game for themselves. They want the agency. They want to be able to kind of accomplish the things. And, and in film, I'll say in film, there are instances of dissonance that work against its own medium. Film is a visual medium. So there's, an example of uh, the Transformers movies. And we have a character in Michaela Barnes, who is played by Megan Fox, who is supposed to be really intelligent, great with sort of the mechanical aspect of the Transformers. She knows how to fix things. Yet every time we see her, she looks like a pinup. 
Yeah, but so do I. True. <laughs> she's stretching and she's pushing out her chest when she's lifting up the hood of yeah. a car, right? That is a cinematic dissonance. It is making her, it's objectifying her body over what her character is supposed to be. And I think that right. that hurts the film. It's an instance in which the story is impacted in a negative way because I am thinking to myself, they're doing that to sexualize her and that's it. I've silenced the room. Yeah, no, this is this thought provoking. I'm simmering on it. Let me ask you this. I, I guess talk to me about how you feel games such as Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, Become Two Souls. Is that what it was? Beyond. Beyond. Beyond Two Souls. Like, where does that play into it then? Because that is in many ways structured like a film with a, you know, maybe a choose your own adventure vibe to it. But it is quick time events. It is dialogue selections. It is that. And like nothing really takes you out of it. No, everything takes you out of it because it plays. You're, you're playing a film. Yeah. That's why we call them visual novels rather than Oh, games. I love my visual novels. Yeah, no, it's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. And, and I know we only got a couple minutes left, but like, where do visual novels lie in, like play in then, right? Like, that is a medium where, in theory, lunar narrative distance should be absolutely minor. But in my head, like, as I'm playing through a visual novel, all I'm thinking is... Okay, I'm triggering the flags that'll go this way. I'm triggering the flags that'll do this way. I'm getting the achievement here. I'm getting the achievement there. I mean, in that sense, you're creating your own ludonarrative dissonance just because you yeah. are aware of game development. Are you saying I'm my own worst enemy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that's true. I bet, I bet if you were going to do like a big study on ludonarrative dissonance, that game developers or people that are more industry minded probably experience it more than the common man. Well, specifically, there's a they they call it like different kinds of narrative dissonances. So like for film, it's cine, cinema narrative dissonance. Um, Luno narrative dissonance is specifically like for video games. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it it makes me think the whole thing makes me think of Dragon Age 2, which is really beloved and also really not. It was a giant clusterfuck of a game that holds a special place in many people's hearts. Um, and just because there are parts of it that are bad doesn't mean it's overall very bad, but a lot of people have very strong polarizing reactions to it. And the reason that ludonarrative dissonance makes me think of Dragon Age 2 in particular is because I, I've read up on it. I know that they wrote the story ahead of time. They oh, said, here's the plot, here's what we're doing. And then it got turned over to the gameplay department that said... Okay, so uh, we need to do some stuff in this area. We need to have more enemies. Well, let's just throw in some more blood mages because they're very powerful. In in general, Dragon Age 2 blood mages are supposed to be pretty rare, but you turn your head and there's a blood mage down every street corner. Can't throw Kirkwall. a rock without hitting a blood mage. <laughs> Can't throw a rock without hitting a blood mage because there wasn't any harmony between the two departments. That makes so much sense. So I think because of the complex nature, think of something like a film where all of the parts yep. happen in concert. Yep. The the story and the direction and the people are all involved versus a video game, which is a lot like building a machine versus yep. reading an instruction manual. Mm -hmm. You have all these small moving parts and the fact that it comes together at all to make something cohesive is really miraculous when you think <laughs> about it. True. You know? 
I think, at least to some degree, this underscores something about this particular art form in that even in the collaboration of creating these things, these experiences, these works of art, you have some people that say, you know, story doesn't really matter as much as just great mechanics. And if people like the mechanics of a game, it doesn't really matter what the story is, they'll play it. Then you have other people who say, and this is probably actually fewer of those developers or people on teams who say the story is really important and we need to make it primary, right? And those that dissonance between in the creation process is probably borne out in the finished product as well because we don't necessarily have those two pieces talking to one another, those pieces of the production you know, teams, talking to one another in ways that may have corrected, I don't know if you want to call it corrected, corrected some of those problems that the player will ultimately experience. So do we want to do we want a final vote before we uh, wrap Dean of uh, good, bad? Yeah. I mean, what do we think? What, what are our overall thoughts? I'd say it's good. Like, I, I think it's for this medium. I think ludonarrative dissonance is good. And in some situations, it truly adds to the experience of playing a video game. I think it definitely adds to the experience of playing a video game, but I don't know that it always adds positively. I'm I'm going to take the classic skeptic approach and say it really depends on the situation. I'm totally neutral. I feel like I, in reading the articles, I it's something I've always been aware of and never really gave a second thought to. I'm going to get a little more meta and say it's a good thing that we're far more conscious of it than we've ever been before. And we're lucky to have developers who understand it and are working it into the mechanics of the actual game. So you say right, it's so good. I, you're you're I voting say good. good. We're yeah. saying you're aligned with me, that it's good, and we're voting yeah. in the overall consensus. It's only good because we're at the part where the badness has been pointed out and people have used it for good. All John wants to do is win. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my alignment is chaotic John troll. <laughs> I love it. That's it. We're done. The pub is produced on that series of tubes that we all know as the internet from the studio at Underdark, which doubles as my basement and office. We post new episodes every Monday and you can listen in wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on straylightmag.com, where we publish new stories, poetry, art, and of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at the Pub Podcast on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. <laughs>